Thanks for checking out this podcast from SWGFL. We're here to help teachers and education professionals support children and young people in all that they do online. Just to avoid any confusion, in autumn of 2022, we branded our podcasts as Interface. This is actually one of our older episodes from before the big rebrand, so it might sound a little bit different. However, there's still the same top quality advice and expert support throughout. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to this Safeguarding Children online podcast brought to you by SWGFL. Welcome to the SWGFL podcast, the free definitive guide helping educators keep young people and yourselves safe online. Hi, my name is Gareth Court. I'm an online safety consultant with SWGFL, partner of the UK Safer Internet Centre. Welcome to this podcast. I'm also joined today by my wonderful colleague, David Wright, director, UK Safer Internet Centre. And today we're talking about the recent full UK government response to the online harms white paper consultation and what that might mean for the children and young people that you work with, and what it might also mean for yourself as an educator. David, hi. Hello, Gareth. Hello, thank you so much for joining me. So this response to the white paper has been quite a long time in the making, given that it was it was first launched quite some time ago. Would you mind just refreshing people's memories as to as to why it was introduced and what it's all about? Goodness me, yes, you're absolutely right. It has indeed been a long time coming, and it's uh, gosh, it's its origin uh, charts back a number of years. So it's, it actually came out of what was initially um, in the Conservative Party manifesto, which was the intention, and I quote, to make the UK. UK, the safest place to be online and actually the commitment goes on to to, to actually append on uh, and to run a digital business as well so there's actually there's two different statements that or commitments that that were that were laid down often the the, the second one around running a digital business is often just is missed off because clearly we all want the UK to be the safest place to uh, to, to be online what we first saw was the publication in October 2017 of the government's internet safety strategy, which has then gone through a series of, of iterations uh, and, and uh, publications for consultation, culminating in, as you say, Gareth, the, the latest and final uh, response from the government, which was uh, published um, earlier this month in uh, December 2020. It has been um, over three years in, in its construction, to, or at least to where we've got it to now, uh, through, like I say, various different, uh, different stages. And it, and it is really interesting to sort of see some of the detail that it and, and the, the sort of the headline intentions that it includes, uh, I, I think. There's quite a lot of de- I say there's quite a lot of detail. I mean, there's there's still some finer details clearly to be thrashed out in the in the process and the thinking around it. But there's there was quite a bit of detail in that response to to wade through. Are there any sort of standout proposals that you see that that really impact on young people? The primary one and the, and the headline that uh, that accompanies this is is the government's intention essentially to regulate and have uh, signal the intention to to appoint Ofcom as this new online harms regulator. So the question then comes is, uh, well, what are they regulating? The online harms, the, the detail kind of highlights the different um, organisations that fall within scope and the, the, the different groupings that they, they have 
of companies. So uh, ostensibly companies, particularly social media providers, who they'll put into uh, in, into the first category with, with high risk features, as, as they put it. Uh, so organizations like Facebook, uh, like TikTok, for example. And, and so what it's all built around is uh, the introduction of a duty of care. Uh, and and so providers will have this uh, duty of care to protect their users from online harms. And Ofcom, uh, the the regulator, will will be the body who will be empowered and ha- will have the power to fine organisations up to ten percent of their annual global annual turnover and up to eighteen million pounds if they fail to to discharge adequately discharge that uh, duty of care this this new um, obligation that's going to be bestowed on those sorts of organizations now i'm i'm sure everyone listening to to this the the, the term duty of care is something that all all statutory organizations particularly statutory organizations in england and wales have had for gosh now, 16 years implemented as a result of the Children's Act in 2004. So as, as far as I can see, it's it's merely an extension of that same duty of care um, into providers. It's quite an interesting development, though, isn't it? Because, as you said, it's statutory bodies and, and people like schools have, have had this for years because, because children have always been a primary focus for them. Whereas for, say, the social media companies, They've got children and young people on their services, but at the same time have got a, a wide age range of, of adults as well. So it's, I guess, quite a different approach that they're having to take. It's some, it's outside of the, their, their sort of comfort realms and, and the realms of what they've known before given the way that they, they're going to be regulated around this? It, it is. It, yes, yes, it is. But I, th- I think that that's why duty of care as, uh, as, as, a, like, as a concept, I think is, is, is really, really helpful and a really important thing. Different platforms provide different features and different circumstances with different children and different audiences. Fundamentally, it all boils down to you've got a duty of care irrespective to, um, to protect your, your users. And, you know, as you say, Gareth, you know, schools, organisations uh, have a duty of care to, to safeguard their communities. It, it's it's just the same. And that's why I think it, it's really helpful. It, it's it's not a new term. Statutory bodies have had it for, like I say, for 16 years. Uh, and it's it's more a question of, well, how do you recognise that? How do you discharge that duty of care? What resources do you have? How do you do, deploy them to adequately protect them? It, it's not that um, online harms is going to going to um, stop harm actually uh, occurring it's uh, it's just that so as long as as providers have adequately assessed their duty um, to to protect their protect their users they've deployed their resources in a, in an adequate fashion it's not going to necessarily prevent harm but you've done everything that you possibly can do you you, you reasonably can do in order to prevent that harm from from occurring and, and we've seen within a statutory body you know so organizations uh, in terms of what will be there to determine whether harm has actually occurred. And then when we've had um, serious case reviews clearly do this in terms of assessing situations and, and reviewing after the event, whether or not adequate safeguards were applied um, when particular harm had occurred. For me, I, I foresee something very similar. So um, Ofcom will be the one that will, I guess, judge as to whether harm has occurred and indeed as whether uh, adequate safeguards had actually been implemented by any of these particular providers, and so therefore determine whether that duty of care had been discharged, discharged adequately. Uh, so it's just a mirroring, you know, of what what we've what we've seen over the last over a decade and a half. I I agree totally, and I 
I think we'd hope that the whatever action taken, particularly if it's focused on vulnerable users or indeed children and young people, would be to the benefit of all users, essentially, in terms of providing that duty of care. Uh, do you think there might be some quite interesting legal precedents that could be set out of this? As you said, you, you're talking about serious case reviews for, you know, the statutory bodies always do regarding this. When it comes to the social media companies that happen to be reflective of this practice, I think it might set some rather interesting precedents that, that might kind of shape the way forward. Yeah, well, so, so certainly from a from a legal perspective, I mean, evidently we're going to need legislation in order to uh, to actually make this change, and and so it's not going to happen overnight. Um, it's still going to be quite a way before that actually this this will be enshrined in law. But so one of the things that the government did stop short of was um, actually identifying uh, they held in abeyance the crim- any potential criminal proceedings based on senior uh, senior executives or making them personally accountable for any particular harm. Now th- that's one of the things that the Children's Act did actually introduce. So the personal liability on individuals that, that can be held to um, held to account, they decided not to not to implement that initially, or at least to perhaps, uh, I think, so the, the, the terminology was um, that they could introduce that into the future, but not, uh, perhaps not, not initially. And, and I think it's very fair to say, certainly the conversations, for example, with local authority director of children's services, um, th- those directors from all those years ago, I, I think, very much felt that that accountability, um, and it, it was very much one that focused focused the mind. So it, it's, it's it's a shame for me. Um, it, it's it's a it's a shame that that that's not being progressed completely. Because, like I say, I, looking back at evidence, that was one of the things that that made the big one of the biggest differences in terms of making sure that safeguard adequate safeguards were um, were actually implemented. Is there is there maybe a bit of a juxtaposition here? Because you mentioned at the start talking about the online safety strategy is, is trying admirably to make the UK the safest place to go online in the world. But then also in the same breath, the, the second strand of it being to really stimulate the digital economy. Is it is there maybe the, the reason that perhaps they aren't going to hold individual people in uh, the industry accountable? Maybe a way to, to kind of ensure that both of those things can happen. Because, of course, if you, if you in essence cut off the head of, of the industries when they fail to protect their users and provide that duty of care, then, of course, you're you're then harming the economy as a result as well. Great point, Gareth. It's a, it is a great point. One of the things that, um, that that we do see is many of these providers are actually based in the UK, uh, and and so, or at least where 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 senior roles, senior execs actually are are located. That that could very much play a part, uh, I imagine. But um, at least it's it's not being dismissed from my perspective. It's not the government haven't dismissed it. It's just it's sort of held there. We sort of wait and see. I think, and your point is, you know, with equal measure, the government's commitment is around making the not just the UK the safest place to be online, but also to run a digital business. I should add as well. I think we do have, from a UK perspective, we we do have quite a long way to go in terms of making the UK the safest place to be online. To to evidence that that I'll just signpost some of the data, some data that DQ Institute published back in uh, on Safe Internet Day earlier this year. Where they where they assessed the uh, a range of different aspects uh, which they um, referred to as a child online safety index uh, they, uh, across thirty different countries. Whilst the UK appeared near the top for regulation, it uh, appeared towards the bottom in, in many of the aspects related to children's digital uh, digital experience and indeed digital competency, digital literacy skills as well. So uh, it, it was fascinating to see that we were we appeared in uh, both ends of the spectrum. Um, in terms of the rankings across these these thirty countries uh, across the world, so 
like I say, I think we do have quite a long way. I think the online harms conversation and indeed um, regulation will uh, very much play a part and, and help to move move us kind of forward as a country. There are there are not particularly many examples that we can look around the world. We often look towards uh, Australia with the uh, e-safety commissioner and also some of the regulations that is introduced in New Zealand in terms of the Harmful Digital Communications Act uh, and the implementation of, of, of certain aspects of, of regulation in those countries. So we've, we've got to, a lot to learn from. I, I think, as the government put it, you know, it is, uh, it's not been done in very many countries. Uh, so I, I'm sure that we have the eyes of many other countries on how we go to go about uh, the effectiveness of discharging the, these sorts of things, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I, th- I think that the devil's in the detail, really, isn't it? As these plans come to fruition in the next couple of years and we and we move towards, obviously, the Online Harms Bill and the Online Harms Act, what form that actually takes and, you know, the, the sort of the finer points that everyone needs to be aware of. Can you just, for the benefit of our listeners, can you see any potential impact in the next few years but before that bill you know, ultimately becomes an act, uh, the impact on, on educators and schools, things that they may need to consider? Well, I mean, it's it, it's an interesting one. I, I think, I mean, so particularly from a school's perspective, there, there won't be that much, necessarily that much impact. I don't think there may be more a heightened conversation around uh, media literacy. Uh, we may, well, the government um, is, is looking to introduce a, a, a digital literacy strategy. Uh, and so there, there, there could well be some impact there. But, you know, when education is a matter for each of the four nations, it, it's difficult necessarily to see how there, there's clearly a connection between online harms and, and each of the, the four nations. But specifically in terms of its application, I think, you know, that the four the four nations already have statutory safeguarding and child protection measures in, in place, um, but I think and I and I hope that there is very much an ongoing conversation across the four nations uh, and uh, and the role that online harms can have and a part to play that it will have in terms of better safeguarding children right across the UK. Absolutely, and, it, and in fact, that was one thing that that mentions, particularly with regards to the law, um, seemed and and particularly with education as well, seemed quite England centric. They they pri- I think the response are primarily focused on on English law and English educational initiatives, such as uh, relationships and sex education and health education in English schools becoming statutory this year, and things like mention of the computing curriculum in English schools. But but there wasn't any real detail about the the other nations. So I think that's going to be an important an important consideration moving forward. I very much agree with that, Gareth, uh, and would, would always take the opportunity to, to encourage any thinking to encompass all four nations. Yes, that this is a UK-wide online harms bill, and so it should be reflective right across all, all four nations. Um, and, and and that's always a challenge, uh, I, I think. It, it's always a challenge when you've got four different education systems and four different legislative aspects uh, as well, particularly from a, a school's perspective. It, it makes it a, a challenge to to provide that uniformity. But, you know, wherever the opportunity in terms of a national UK-wide strategy clearly needs to respect um, and integrate with and complement and work with the, any form of national child safeguarding and child protection obligations and indeed measures. Absolutely, couldn't agree more on that. And obviously, we we are the UK Safer Internet Centre, with emphasis being on the UK. What do you see as the centre's role in in supporting schools and others moving forward on this? 
Again, Gareth, absolutely spot on. So we take the, the term UK Safe Internet Centre and the point about UK is, is is so important to us. And this is not one country. This is not one one location. This is a the UK Safe Internet Centre. And so the um, the activities and the the work that we do to try to coordinate and to, to integrate to to share information uh, and you know try to be the the, the voice from a UK perspective in each nation, but equally from a UK perspective representing all four nations, children, and indeed everybody across all, all four nations. And so one of our roles, I, I feel, is uh, is just a, a reminder uh, of exactly that. So when we're when we're trying to define policy, um, not to uh, not not to forget not to forget that diversity um, and the richness that we have in terms of that diversity across across the the, the entire UK. Very well said. And actually, David, that's just reminded me, I think a useful thing to mention is, of course, we as the centre run the reportharmfulcontent.com service. And given that we've been talking about online harms and the potential online harms bill, obviously the report harmful content service is a very useful one for, for, for everyone in terms of reporting content that they see on online platforms, including social media, where they may have had trouble taking it down. So uh, if you if you do have issues with taking content down, please do contact our, our report harmful content at reportharmfulcontent.com. Yep. Whilst it wasn't built for online harms bill, as uh, we've had a number of conversations uh, around policy, particularly to do with with RHC, uh, and I, I very much welcome to have those uh, those conversations and those discussions on an ongoing basis, whether that's with government or perhaps now as, as well with, uh, with Ofcom uh, as well. The uh, clearly illegal content is harmful. But content doesn't have to be illegal to be harmful. It can be legal as well as illegal that makes it um, still makes it harmful content. Definitely. And in fact, the the uh, government response went into that in quite some detail, didn't it? It was a, trying to highlight the fact that there was content out there that, that wouldn't be considered illegal, but of course could still cause uh, significant harm. Any Any final thoughts before we finish up? Uh, just from uh, the online harms, like I say, we, we very much welcome the online harms, the update and the response from the government. We we continue to to support uh, and also engage with um, policymakers on this front. Um, and, and like I say, you know, uh, our role is that that contribution, reflection of the UK, reflection of what what we hear, what we see, what we find, working with uh, with children right across the, the UK, and, and how we can make it as relevant as we possibly can, so that we do have, or we are all in a country where it is the safest place to be online. But very well said, David. I think it's it's definitely a collaborative effort. On that point, actually, just that just reminded me of um interesting article I was reading earlier uh, from Sonia Livingston from London School of Economics, who has uh, commented in response to the government's response that there's this this kind of need to come together from both sides in terms of the the industry and digital, but also mental health experts. And and she got the sense that the industry, for them, mental health issues regarding their platforms and services are, are kind of uncharted territory and new for them. Whereas on the flip side of it, mental health experts who are dealing, you know, in the front line and with some very vulnerable people um, aren't so familiar or okay with the way that technology works and can impact on that. So there's a real need for, for collaboration and coming together on this. And I hopefully the the work in the next couple of years will provide lots of those opportunities. Indeed. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. So uh, just before we finish up, if you do have a question or issue that you'd like us to discuss on a future podcast, then please do get in touch by emailing podcast at swgfl.org.uk. 
David, whenever Jess and I do these podcasts, we always try to recommend something at the end for, for listeners to, to read or watch or listen to. It can be related to online safety or the topic that we've been talking about, or it can be something completely frivolous and fun. It's, it's entirely up to you. Do you have a recommendation? Well, uh, I mean, we're, we're clearly into the, uh, the the festive festive season, albeit being uh, very different uh, this year to uh, well, in fact, all years uh, previous. Um, but as we go into festivity, I know so for, for me at, at home for for children, we've got nativity on repeat. Uh, is what it, at least is what it feels like. That that's essentially my uh, my world at home. Um, but yeah, I'm very much enjoying that. It's uh, it's giving us uh, an insight, whereas we we can't do the normal normal festive things, perhaps. But um, it's giving us a reminding us of our window into a normal festive uh, season. Actually, does uh, does look like so. Yeah, I was supposed to, Gareth. It would be the uh, the nativity movies that I would I would signpost. <laughs> Great recommendation. Thank you, David. Very, very festive as well. Get, get a bit of festive spirit back in. Uh, in terms of my recommendation, if you're going festive, for me, it's always got to be either Die Hard or Toy Story. Not at the same time, though. Obviously, there's two very different audiences. Uh, but actually, no, my recommendation this time around is I've recently discovered uh, some, some great podcasts by Super Awesome, who run the Pop Jam messaging app for children. And they've actually been doing some great podcasts as part of their Kids Tech podcast, talking to lots of representatives across the industry and others, talking about uh, children's rights and also the way that technology sort of impacts on on children's digital lives so that's uh that's well worth a listen as well david thank you so much for for joining us today to give your thoughts and your insights really valuable thank you that's uh, that's that's my pleasure gareth uh, i'm it just if, if i can wish everybody a, a, a very merry christmas and uh, and gareth to you too um as as well as well as the team here at with gfl um and uh, and we very much look forward to uh, to to 2021 and uh, and all that, that will bring Brilliant. Thank you, David. Very well said. Uh, So thank you to you for listening to this SWGFL podcast. If you found this podcast helpful, please do spread the word to your fellow educators. And this free podcast is available both on our website, swgfl.org.uk, and on Spotify podcasts as well. As always, remember, if you have a query about an online safety issue affecting a young person, yourself or your organisation, you can contact the Professionals Online Safety Helpline at helpline at saferinternet.org.uk or by calling 0344 381 4772. Please be aware they are not available over the festive period. And if you have a question or topic that you'd like us to cover on a podcast, don't forget you can drop us an email at podcast at swgfl.org.uk. A better internet starts with you. Merry Christmas, everyone. Goodbye for now. This Safeguarding Children online podcast has been produced by SWGFL. Southwest Grid for Learning is a charity that has specialised in online safety for nearly 20 years and is one of the three partners in the UK Safer Internet Centre. The UK Safer Internet Centre is the national centre and one of 32 European Safer Internet Centres. For more information and terms of use, please visit www.swgfl.org.uk.